Welcome to Fundamental Fridays, where we provide you practical tips and tricks for working on and in your business. My name is Devin. And my name is Thor. And today we are talking about sales and what that looks like from a startup perspective. So perfect way to segue in, in into today's episode, Devin. But we look at it from a startup perspective. We'll uh, run you all through the gamut right now of where we're sitting with our startup, Marikai. We're about, I'd say, three months in of having a true vision, clear path of what we're, what the services we provide, how we talk to clients about it. And I would say we finally hit that place where you, you pause for a minute and you go, am I, should I be doing this? What am I doing? Which is great timing because Thor went full time like two weeks ago. So really smart timing to have these emotions. But I think it's genius to embrace them and to allow yourself to feel them because it, I have no interest in going backwards or not doing it. But if you don't allow those raw emotions to sit in, it's just going to come slapping in the face like three months down the road or four months. And then you go, holy crap. And that's when you do spiral. So right now I'd say I've really spent this week and I'll probably spend the rest of this week really sitting in the motion of what we have left to do that we've really only just begun. So have patience for Pete's sake, but that's kind of where my mindset sits right now. Well, and I think going off of that, the transition from my full-time work or my old or anyone, right? Your old job to new job and trying to balance both. I think during that time of balancing both, you probably are feeling like you're doing a better job than maybe you really are. I know for myself and personal experience, definitely lacking on one end. And then that kind of just pulls down the other two, not to imply anything. Devin's just crushing it, living life, doing, doing well. Um, but I think it's just one of those moments that to self-reflect and realize that. And then the other half of that is really like on our end, social media being, a, I mean, there's certain things that are going to hold you back. Yep. Depends on employer cough, cough, but, um, it's just something that kind of you got to learn to grow with and and to be able to go back and and, and really look at it too right because yeah. for us it's hey devin started carrying us super heavy on linkedin and then now that i'm full full time just within the last week i've started being more active and actually joining in on that and that's that's short form content yep to lead right. into part of today's topic too and that's been a whole new and in endeavor i've been super i mean not 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 excited about it, but I wasn't adamant about it. Right. I watched you do it. And I'm like, God, I don't know how this guy's having fun. Like, <laughs> that just looks miserable. And then last night we're sitting at the dinner table going over a blog post at what, like seven? I mean, it was 8.30, but yeah. 8.30. Sense <laughs> <laughs> of time is just totally skewed during this. But literally we finished up and started making dinner and I was super, I was amped. I was like, that looks awesome. I'm so right? proud. Like it, so... Yeah, it certain habits, you know. Yeah. An epiphany you know. I had right now, though, Thor, is I think <laughs> part of what's setting in the emotions is we have had two weeks of you full-time. And so now the pressure of you being full-time combined with there's no tangible result of you being full-time other than, yeah, okay, we do more posts, blah, blah, blah. I get that. But I think that's what's adding to it. I got to remember that in the back of my head as we move forward because that makes sense why also we feel this pressure like, well, he's full-time. There should be more results. And it's like, well, it's been two weeks. Let's have a chill pill. So sales, though, we live, breathe, eat it since we were 12 years old, and we have to still do it right now in our current startup business. And when it comes to sales, right out of the gate, when you're starting a business, you don't even sell. And this is not Northwestern Mutual tactics I'm about to give you. Please don't do it. They do because they are actually calling their list of 100 and begging them to buy from them. Mm. That is, 
you know hate, what I'm talking you about. You hate to see it. You hate <laughs> to see it. Like absolutely brutal. Like, yeah, I work for Northwestern Mutual. Click. And then you have all your, I've had, do how many friends seriously in college, you graduated college, you have your first full-time job. How many friends in the last, we've been out of college for a while now, but let's say like the first five years out reached out to you about Northwestern Mutual. Oh, a handful. I at least Which, had 20. I mean, props on their end though. That's part of it too. Just being shame, shameless, right? The right, whole, but they the, were the, actually selling. Yeah. That was I know. the bad They're part. Trying, misled. I mean. Yeah. You know, the poor sheep in the woods is just lost and the wolves eat it. Hey, it's easy. It's comfortable, right? Right. So at the out of the beginning, first thing I did when I started America, I was, who are the 100 people? And it's I didn't have 100 at first, but you want to create a list of 100. I had about 60 people that were friends, family, former associates that I trusted their opinion and was like, hey, can you just meet up with me? I'm starting a business. I just want to run you through what I'm going to do to help narrow down my target client profile and my value proposition. Well, we're going to touch on that in a minute, but th that's all it was at the beginning. You're not even selling. You're just having a conversation. You take them for a coffee. You have them over to your house for dinner if you're close with them. And you meet 50 to 100 people and just run through, I am Devin, I'm starting Marikai. This is what we do. This is who we service. And at first, it's about as broad as an ocean. Even if you have a product, you're going to think, well, I know exactly what my product does, but you don't know exactly what it targets. So that's the best place to start out of the gate by far. Oh, that's super important, especially for building on things <laughs> down the road so that you actually can be successful is understanding, again, yeah, like how you had perfect analogy of it's a, it's an ocean. So to narrow that view down and really know who you, who your actual ICP is or ideal client profile so that you know, Hey, this is going to narrow things down enough to where if I'm getting a genuine objection, which we can riff on in a minute, Devin feels he has a hot take on that. Uh, in my world though, uh, that knowing your ideal client profile and understanding the objections that they may have at least gives you some sort of roadmap to try and figure out, okay, well, if I'm selling this or I have a product, what do you think they're gonna say to that? You know what I mean? Right. So I guess that's where, in my mind, an easier way to try and narrow things down <laughs> and keep things moving forward, but. For sure. So Thor, <laughs> do you wanna tackle the value prop side or the target client profile? Like, let's break that down for them quick yeah. to help them understand at the end of that 100 calls or 50, 50 to 100 meetings, what what should they have narrowed down there? Man, I would say after the end of those would be understanding the general revenue range, right? Yep. Of whatever company or in industry. And that, that'd be B2B, that. I guess. B2B. Yeah. But so that that's the hard part. So Really, if we're talking about your your target client profile or ideal client profile, really in the end, to give you an idea, I'll just use mine at first, it was, hey, I service B2B companies anywhere from zero to $300 million, and it's great. And I just, I, I do strategy and I do all these cool things for them. And so at first, whether you have a service or a product, even if you have a product, let's say if you have a, a wine glass, what you need to know is your wine glass made for males or females more? Is it made for older or younger? Is it made for modern or classic, right? So you have to narrow this vision down of who really is the personality. It's best way to look at who's the personality of the person or the company that's going to buy my product or my service. So that's your value prop. By the end, you're going to know like we did, hey, it's over 10 million, under 50 million, sales marketing driven, high innovation, typically under 50. And if we really narrowed it down, normally females, because they're far more open to having a conversation with us. True. And they're far more open to understanding 
we just want to come alongside them and help them and disappear, not get any recognition. And they seem to be a lot more open to, I don't know everything versus sorry, men over 50, you're really stubborn and you just want to peacock and flex when we get in the room and it's super uncomfortable. So we haven't narrowed down. And so that's at the end, if you look at a product, you haven't narrowed down. What's the age? What's the gender? What's the geography? What's the personality type? That's your target client profile that you should have yes. at the end of those 15 and, calls. And some of that does take a little bit of time. Oh, yeah. From from where we started or from where you had started, I joined in and from to where we are now, it's almost one of those moments. And this is going to be a goofy analogy, but when you transplant or plant a plant and it's in fresh dirt and it's still really loose. Oh, right? yeah. And then yeah, over yeah. time, you keep watering and it keeps growing and then it just welds itself into that yeah. little pot. Shout out to so, Golden's Greenhouse on that. Absolutely. Jared, but <laughs> East Bethel, hit him up. <laughs> yes. Um, but that's kind of the progression, I guess, as we were driving here today. I'm sitting there th th thinking about things. And it really was one of those moments of it slowly just developed. And now it's like, okay, this feels right. This is smooth, perfect, just through talking to people. Yeah. And it's the only way you get there. It's You can sit in a room, brainstorm all you want with your whiteboard doesn't go anywhere. And then after you get your ideal client profile, or target market, it's your value prop. And so value prop is the why someone would buy your product. Now, this isn't the why like we talked about the other week with vision and, and mission and that why. This is literally the tangible reason someone would need or want your product. So if you're looking at a wine glass, um, maybe they want it to drink their wine, obviously, but it's more of I want to buy it because it stands for something or I want to buy it because of the price point or I want to buy it because of it being green and recycled material. But what separates you, your value prop makes you different from all the other competitors out there. So again, in our situation, we finally narrowed down. We drive collaboration and integration between sales and marketing. Everyone wants to integrate it. Everyone wants to do the fun side of each. Everyone wants to work in sales and in marketing. No one wants to work on it. We found our value prop. And the example of, great example, Golden's Greenhouse, because I know it really well, and that's more of a product service side. They're organic, they're natural, they're clean. They're already, the plants are already partially grown, so they don't die as easy, right? Those are their, that's their value prop that separates them from everyone else. And Jared, if I butchered that, I'm sorry, but I, th I think I know his line pretty good, is that's how what separates and makes them different. You could pull on family owned, you could pull on uh, female owned, you could pull on the geography you're in where we're local in your backyard, right? There's all these pieces that you can decide to choose. And so by the end of that, you should understand your clear value prop of what makes you different before you even start sales. Like this is everything you do before you even start selling. And really, I, I guess to add on to that, which is beautifully said, um, is it just continuing to ask why, right? You just keep digging deeper, keep yeah. digging deeper. And that's going to help just boil it down uh, so that you actually know where you're where you're headed. I, I feel like when when you're explaining that, I'm sitting here just nodding my head going, OK, so you just keep asking why someone tells you something and you're learning things. It just keeps <clears throat> narrowing it down, which I a absolutely love. And that's something where, again, you just got to get out there and just be trying. Just try it. If it fails, it fails. That's just fine. Adjust. You know, it's par par for the course. Yeah. It, in don't expect it to be perfect, as Thor said earlier. When I met with one of my mentors, when I first literally talked about my target market value proposition, she was like, I can tell you've been in consulting from a very high level standpoint because you don't really have anything narrowed down. I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> um, appreciate that. So 
now that we've had all the fun parts done, right? We've done the value prop, we've done the target market, we've met all the friendly people, and it's been a blast. And don't get me wrong, you're gonna feel like you're doing a lot, and I hate to break it to you guys. If you do all of that work and you meet with all those people, that's really phenomenal, but you haven't sold yet, nor have you even tried to land a client. So a big thing Thor and I realized is sure, we've been out in the market for a solid five months, but we haven't been diligently selling for anywhere near five months. No. And people need to realize, well, I did all this work and it didn't sell, so blah, it's over, I quit. Well, no, you you haven't even started selling yet. You're still building the foundation of your sales strategy. Yeah, I think focusing and taking time to really hone in on the foundational items, I know it's exciting, especially from a sales standpoint, from the fun part of sales, is to get out there and just be selling, but really, dial it back in again, just keep digging and digging and digging. So that you actually understand what you're bringing to market and who, because in understanding who you're meeting with, because at the end of the day, you may be in front of someone who is a huge decision maker at an event. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like oh, th yeah. th th thinking about the people who we have lined up for some coffee dates and other things. It's like, do you know who's sitting in front of you? Do you know your product inside and out and all the objections that you could possibly hear about, which yeah. Devin is his favorite word to, on tonight's show is, but it's like, do you know those? If right. you don't, you're going to fumble and that may be a missed opportunity then. Yeah. I mean, so. look, I mean, today's a perfect example. We met with, not met with, we ran into at a networking event, someone who is one of the head marketing people at General Mills for 15 years and another person who was a head marketing person at Medtronic for 10. And the minute we told them we drive collaboration <laughs> between sales and marketing, they unleashed the fury of questioning and disagreements and <laughs> debates. If it wasn't three months beforehand of meeting with people, even if they don't know, yeah, great call. Even if they don't know anything about your product or service, you still meet with them. Some of the best value I've gotten from is sitting down with my wife and explaining it to her. And then she looks at me like a deer in the headlines and go, perfect, I didn't do good enough. She's like, no, I just don't get your interest. I'm like, no, no, no anyone should be able to understand this. And it, and it should be so, somewhat memorable too. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. We ate coffee the other morning, literally we we got not lectured. It came from, I think a, a, a wholehearted place. place. Yeah. yeah. Genuine place, but making sure that it's memorable or that there's something catchy to it. Not to say it needs to be anything corny. That's not the, not the point, but to have it be so, something memorable or easy, easy to, to keep top of mind. And to hit home on that, it's slogan, right? I mean, yeah. we have our two core slogans. We have a slogan and more of a concept. You already heard the on versus in your business. And then the marketing sales collaboration versus integration. And what I would take away, we got in debate with the guy afterwards, meaning Thor and I debated the advice we received, but really great advice on if you're talking to someone about your product, if you can't ask them or service, if you can't ask them a question, about a dilemma that your product or service solves and they don't agree with it, then, then you haven't found a proper value for proposition. So what I mean is when I meet with a client, I go, hey, are you familiar with the integration between sales and marketing that's occurring and that they want to become one? And they're like, yes, it's dumb. Or yeah, I think it's great. Perfect. They understand. Or in Jared's shoes, are you familiar with the decreased health um, that occurs by not having organic plants in your house? And so they might go, no, I don't know. That's catchy. Cool, you get to teach them. Or yeah, I do know, now you can relate to them. But it's, don't make it about you at first, try and relate to them, ask them a question, get them involved. And then you can go down the path of what you do. All right, Thor. So. Lay another fat one on me. What do we do? What do we Let's do from here? It. We have all our goods. We've already started selling, not. 
we just met with friendly human beings. And now we're sitting like you and I were two months ago going, we need revenue. Now, now what do we do? To a certain degree, I think it's going back to the drawing board a little bit. And we touched on this when we were at the office earlier, but it's changing up the tactics maybe a little bit or how I had asked, hey, you know, is it worth going and meeting with the same person a second time just to see again, hey, have you come across anyone? Here's how we've developed. Here's what you know we're sorting out. That's where my mind jumps to immediately. Obviously, more more events gets us more exposure. They aren't crazy expensive on that end. We did have a slight debate on that on on the drive over, on deciding if you know where where our budget should should be on that stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. Honestly, I would say it's, it's conflicting. You hit it. You hit it on the head with budget. I think. <laughs> and in my head, when Thor and I talked about this the other week, we started running into a lot of potential clients that no longer were clients on the sales side. And Thor and I learned the hard way that we hadn't properly fully ironed out the level of service we should provide that's actually needed out there. And so we started meeting with clients like, hey, we're, we're half a million in sales, we're a million in sales, we're a million and a half in sales, all we need is sales. And our heads are like, no, you need, you need to go to market strategy, you need a sales strategy, you need all of this. And what we figured out was, well, no, if you're a startup to under 2 million, you need very practical, easy steps to make sales. And so we called it the the whiteboard sales tactic. So that's where oh, yep, 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 customers yep. engage with us. We come into their office for a day or two, hang out with them. And we literally take whiteboards and sticky notes and we develop a sales strategy. Now, any of you out there are like, oh, I'm in the sales field. That doesn't say, sound very formal. It's not. It's not supposed to be formal. It's that's not to be the practical. intention of it at, at all. It's just get, get ideas out, yeah. share, brainstorm really breaking out of the mold breaking or the, the mold. rut that you're in. It's like, hey, well, this, yeah, if it was more formal, you wouldn't be here. But even more important, <laughs> I don't even want them to have formal for a year. If you're under two million, most likely you just you don't need formal yet. Now, if you're a straight B2C product line, probably do. But if you're a startup product line or you're under two million to B2B world, you, you don't need formal. People don't want formal. It's way too overwhelming. And it's not to us. It's palatable because we live in it. So first thing you do, you take your target client uh, profile, you take your value proposition, and then you know who you're going after. So then you hop on Google, great technology out there, it's free. Google for the time being until Bing takes over. Bing's Quick never taking over. No, okay, Thor. It, it might, we it's don't not, know that yet. It's not taking over. It's gonna have chat no, built not. into it. Yeah, well, I'm derailing Bard? everything, but. Bard? I, I don't I don't even know what he's talking about. You're talking about the chat for Google is nope. gonna win all day. I've not heard of that. Yes. So So go on the Google and you literally just search companies in my area that fall in this profile, or you search for demographics on your community if you're in the B2C world, and you just pull that spreadsheet and then you pick up the phone. And you just start calling. You cold call, you cold email. There are some great tools like Rocket Reach, if you're in the B2B realm, that can get you emails and contact information for pretty reasonable. You don't need Zoom info. Hollow, they laid a bunch of people off. You definitely don't need them. Their products are not as good anymore Whoa. because there's plenty of other competitors who have come in for $15 to $100 a month versus $25,000 a year. Woof. Because in the end, they all use Bumbora. They all are using Bumbora. Everybody is. So no magic mystery. There's just one sole <laughs> provider and Zoom is on the top, just like Nike. And so they had a lot of margin inside their product. Beautiful. So. <laughs> well, and, and on the other half of that, I would imagine that going to events, 
that are specific to an industry that you may find is your ICP, right? Is another way of doing that. And then not necessarily avoiding cold calling, but the traditional methods of contacting people. I'm getting the, just a stare down. Thoughts and feelings on that, Devin. Thoughts and feelings. <laughs> I know where Thor's coming from. The reason I never removed traditional cold calling off a of startup's list is in my head right now, I'm already assuming majority of you, when you got to the prospecting cold calling place, you probably didn't call more than 20 people inside of your family or friend network. You didn't do your, you oh, didn't yeah, do your 50 to 100. So I use cold calling as a way to force you to look in the mirror and see how bad you are at what you're doing. Like when I started cold calling, it was brutal, right? Oh yeah, no, and I'm not objecting to cold calling. I right. think that's totally, I mean, you need to do it. It's part of the business. And it's and you never know what you're gonna turn turn over. Correct. So But I think the biggest advice you've given me before that we have realized is we talked about, yeah, we get way ahead of the train and we talk about expansion in new states. But as we talked about that, it's the value of testing what you're bad at before you get in front of who you're good at. So Thor's a huge thing he mentioned, a huge proponent of it. And that's why Thor I talk about you should cold call first a solid 50 people. Because oh, how small is the networking world in the end when you when you go to events? How beautiful is it? So just for everyone else, piggybacking on exactly what you're talking about. But one, in my mind, coming from a sales background, and I know you'll attest to this too, cold calling is not always fun, right? It's just like, God, I really don't want to be doing this, but you do it anyways. You have fun with it, whatever. From our end, or at least for me, and I'm sure you'll share in the sentiment too, is I'm genuinely excited about it knowing that, hey, this is where we can practice. This is where we can get good. This is where we can hone in on everything that we need to because of the potential future down the road. Yeah. And that's like, hey, the the, the, the reward at the end of this is far worth putting in the, the man hours or whatever I don't want to do, entirely worth doing now. So just know on my end, I'm genuinely excited, keeping that top of mind. <laughs> Which is brutal in one degree, but really not at the same time. But it, to put some uh, framework around what Thor said, I do not like cold calling anywhere near <laughs> as much as he does. But Thor sits in his garage with a stogie and a whiskey and starts cold calling. Mad respect to that. To all you startups out there, make it fun, as Thor would say. Two, if you own your own business, stop making it crappy. Like, holy rip. I had a sales team I used to run. Every week we did cold calling. Those who made the most sales at the end of the month, $200 bottle of liquor, go buy it, it's on me. Go have fun, like who wouldn't hustle? Come on, come on, anybody out there. And the one guy, I did have a guy on my team who was in sobriety, he bought $200 worth of Monster four months in a row. Dude was gonna have Monster till he died. I think he sold it on the side. Buying like, pallets of yeah. it, e-commerce <laughs> shop. Like ridiculous. So like, have fun with it. Please make it fun because in the end, marketing's great. You need marketing. We're going to hop into social selling here in a minute using multiple channels. But if you don't cold call, if you don't prospect, if you don't go out and seek clients, if you don't go put the effort in and put yourself in uncomfortable situations, you're not going to get leads. And then if you don't take you're, what you learn from there and go apply it to events, you're screwed there too. Mm -hmm. yeah. So learn how to sell. Hey, and we this ties sell. back to, to what? Probably episode two. I forget what one we were talking about of doing what you don't want to do. That's that's really at the core of the sales part of this is just understanding, hey, I, I really don't want to do this. Okay, you probably really need to. So I to wrap that up, love the banter though. 
Yeah, go put some effort in. Don't be a schmuck. A schmuck, Devin's favorite phrase. So social selling. Tell me more, Devin. What do you what do you what do you mean on that end? So we all know about social media. LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Be Real, Reddit. There's a lot. A lot more. <laughs> Don't underestimate the value of those stakes, even in the B2B realm. And Ooh. so to not only drum up clients, but drum up credibility, which I think is far more important in sales than clients. Big brain move on that end. Because again, it just it's keeping you top of mind. And on the flip side of that, it's free. Yeah. Outside of time, which if you went full-time or you're starting your own business, there's a high likelihood that you do have a lot of time. So make sure that you're using some of that or at least setting it aside to really focus and hone in because coming from a person who doesn't really enjoy social, someone of a hermit. You and me su- both. That's the surprising. bad Surprising. Super <laughs> weird to social. think about. Oh, it's brutal. No one like no one wants to know if I got a brand new car. Like, I'm sorry. Devin raises his hand. Beautiful. But on back back to topic, <laughs> sorry, is it's just it's free. Dedicate some time to it. It will feel rewarding. One, when you start getting likes or gaining some traction and getting in the swing of things. Because again, you're just staying top of mind. That's the, the biggest thing on that end. I got to check some right now. So you talk about likes. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, the plethora of likes that we are just crushing in. I wish. Oh, so so much sarcasm. So much. I'm sorry. And that's the other thing. Don't get discouraged because you're not getting a ton of likes. There's nothing wrong with that because people are still seeing it. They're seeing they are active. And then you run into those people at events or you see friends or anything along those lines. And they're like, wow, yeah, you're really doing a lot. It's like, well, you never commented or liked on anything, which who cares? At the end of the day, people still see that you're active, you're out there doing something. And on top of that, if you're starting your own business, you're, you're kind of, yeah. You're consistently talking about something that you created, you love, and developed for people. That, to me, is amazing. I would completely agree. And when I, I'm, I do have my laptop in front of me right now. And I'm pulling up. So this is fascinating. Watch this. So this is why I wanted to pull up. So I post. So what's my pattern? I post Monday about the book I read the week before because I'm trying to do 52 books in a week or in a year. Oh, in a week. <laughs> Holy smoke. Children's books. <laughs> Second is on Tuesdays, I always post something motivational. It, there's no secret to it. It's probably whatever I'm feeling that week, a little bit darker this week. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is all about the business from a, what have just giving you tips and tricks on sales and marketing on my end. Thought is a lot about rev ops and marketing and then the events we've gotten to. Mm-hmm. But don't underestimate the value of your post. The post I sent out two weeks ago, no, last week, a week ago on motivation, I had a total of three likes. Okay. You know, y'all can judge out there. I had 12 people read the entire article though. That's impressive. So people are still reading it. And what's more fascinating is you go, well, Devin, it's because they didn't like your article. Maybe, maybe not. But the amount of people I get on a call with, whether it's where I work or friends that go, hey, I saw your post on LinkedIn. Hey, I saw your motivational article last week. It was a good one. It's always happening. The traction's always there. And it's just about patience. And most importantly, don't take these dumb trends on LinkedIn and social media with all of the algorithms to win. 
Because in the end, cool, you have 70,000 people and 100 like your post. I'd rather have 1,000 people with 500 who like my post. Well, and, and that's something that some big influencers out there have talked about is literally just keep doing it. Like you're not taken seriously until you've, like for podcasts, I forget what the number is. So like, or I think it's YouTube videos. Mr. Well, Beast was like, if you've not made a hundred videos, you're nothing. Don't even care about it. Don't care one minute about what your videos look like or content, what, just keep making them. And at some point it's going to pop. Yeah. And even if it doesn't, so, doesn't pop, pop doesn't mean massive though, right? No, like that's it, how you no. get tired of people. Like pop literally means you've impacted a few hundred, few thousand people and they care about you and they like what you have to say. That's what pop means to me. And on a side note, like the fight we're fighting right now on social media is not to feel like we always have to be on it to show we're there. Because in the end, a lot of people are going to be fake on social media. It's just how it is. So please take the time to be genuine. Take the time to put real posts up. Take the time to comment on people's items. And if you have a day you don't feel like doing it, how do I put this carefully? Still post the content, but don't com don't comment on people's stuff. It's okay to be burnt, to not want to do it. You don't want to burn out. Be genuine. No, yeah, I was going to say, I think it's it's finding that balance of building relationships through social in a genuine fashion. Yes. Right? I'm sorry. I think that's what you're trying to sum, sum yes, things up. Yes, it is. I appreciate it. But um, oh, oh, uh, we both think you owe me a Coke. Yeah. Um, so really quick, so since since we we typically have a bourbon on, on, on the show, today we ended up grabbing... Blade and bow. So, you see it? Yep. Nice. Um, Devin, thoughts? As the key just clangs all over the bottle. So, honest thoughts on it. I, I was really thinking about it. I'm not ashamed. First tip to remind people who aren't bourbon drinkers, and I can speak to it very educated. I've had more than I probably should in my life, not tonight. When you first sip, doesn't count. First sip, they call palate cleanser. And it's all about taking all the flavors and experiences you already have going on in your mouth from whatever you ate recently to dry mouth, whatever it is, cleansing it. And that first one, your the flavor you experience will not be anywhere near similar to the second. I think Thor can attest that because he did it tonight, but we'll let him hop in on that in a second here. Second sip is really the real flavor. My first one, I literally thought I was like, I mean, it's there, but I don't taste anything. Second sip, for the price point, I put this at a 10 out of 10 almost. For sure, a solid nine. Extremely smooth, still a good amount of flavor, a little bit of heat, but it doesn't burn. So something really good for mid-level bourbon drinkers. I like a little bit more heat of mine, but I still think it's solid. And it still has a caramel with multi-tone flavors after you finish it off. So I, I would, it, I'm, I'm way more impressed than I planned on being. I would completely agree. I'm a little bit beside myself. I really, because what, I think it was like under 50 bucks yeah it was right it was like 46 dollars. Yeah. yeah which is impressive in my mind especially for something that's that tastes great honestly yeah. good balance good like uh what am i trying to think the back end of yeah. flavor wise so like the uh oh, i'm losing it right at the end it tastes really good it's easy to drink Lo loving it on that end and to your point of first sip had the same, I'm like, oh, like, oh, it was 50 bucks. Now I, now I know. And then you had mentioned that in that second one, it, 
entirely different. And maybe I'm just being trained because you just pitched it, but I'm enjoying drinking it. And it's not like we had small pores. What are you trying to whisper over there? Sales 101, but (laughs) (laughs) we're going to clip that for sure. So as we talk about sales, Mm -hmm. I I know it was a hard pivot. I'm not, I'm unashamed. My favorite part about sales is making people squirm in their seats. When I say people, I don't mean customers. I mean, sales reps and people starting their own business. If you think you can sell without practicing, you're a fool. I don't care how natural you are. I used to fly by the seat in my pants all the time. And you know what? You could tell in the end of my sales records, everyone liked me, always had a great conversation, always felt like it would go somewhere, never went anywhere. Well, not never, because I had a good career, but it never went anywhere as often as I wanted it to go or as I thought it should. So first thing you need to do, practice. You pick up a phone. My reps, I used to call randomly and they're driving down the road and go, sell me. And they'd be like, I'm what? I was like, I don't know. I'm the customer. Sell me. And I'd just make them start pitching or I'd sit, make them sit in a room full of people. All of them come to the front, oh, pitch just, me. You are a monster. Absolutely. I have no idea who's sitting in front of me right now. Just <laughs> savage. I mean, it, it does work though. I've done that on prior teams and honestly getting called out it shows who's practicing and who's who's not. Yeah. Because again, it's how comfortable are you with something? And then how are you becoming a, a master of that? Again, if you're going to go up against whoever your target market is, right? You're going to get grilled with questions. And anyone who's been in sales and succeeded at sales, you all already know that. You're yeah. like, hey, and this is your reminder that practice, practice, practice. And practice, to give you an idea, means beforehand these are all things to give you guys a heads up for the next year we're going to dive into a lot of these pieces deeper this is just entry level one to touch the surface when it comes to sales though it's understanding the client i'm calling on so i'm going to do a little digging into understanding what their company is their businesses their personality i'm going to take a little bit of time understanding what objections they might have and i'm going to actually write those objections out and what my response would be i never think the rejections in my head those objections of why they don't want to buy from you are questions you should be asking before you get to the objection stage and then they won't come up. And then at the end, you call up friends, family, and you sell to them. Best person to sell to is someone who knows nothing about your product, once again, because they're going to ask the most random questions you didn't plan on. So please, for the sake of sales, realize that it is an art. It does take time. You do have to learn it. Go put the effort in. Don't need to be an expert at it because you are a startup and realize when you get to, you know, maybe half a million, a million, that there's a lot of options out there. Companies like us and others that can put a sales rep in place for you short term is what they call today fractional is a new term and they can help you sell. So as long as you're selling a great advice we did receive today, as long as you're selling, you're never going to be able to focus on your business to the level you should. Yes. So realize it is a pivotal portion and you have to do it on your own at first, but don't do it forever. Yeah, at some point you need to be able to pass the baton off, but I think that's in the far future for the vast majority, unless you have just explosive growth and you you nail that initial part and are able to hand it off to someone or at least teach someone how to do it for you. Yeah, but. so I'd say to wrap it up, you want to create a list of 100, 50 for less network, never less than 50. You're going to have to just go find people that can be inside of it. Use that to narrow down your target market or your ideal client profile. Yes. 
then use it to narrow down your value proposition. Then you want to go out and start prospecting and cold calling there to narrow in your pitch, go Practicing. to events, Practicing and then too. social selling at the end through yeah. different sales channels or market social media channels. Hey, no, it, it is what it is. It's It seems like a handful. It really does. Yeah. But it's one of those moments, be methodical about it. Take your time, practice. It'll it'll get better with time. And enjoy it. Last yeah, piece have I have fun. to throw in, don't take it personally. I have a weakness. I, I, not something, I, I take sales personally all the time. I really shouldn't. But you never know someone's day, someone's week, someone's mm -hmm. month. Just don't take any responses personally and simply... Go sell. And when you leave, best thing Thor, it helps me do every time is by not to not take it personally. We sit down and go, what can we learn from it? Not what did, not what did I do wrong? Not what did they say that bothered me? Just what can I learn from it? Here's mm -hmm. what I could have done better, but I still did good. Move on. So spend time doing that as well. Yeah. And, and uh, to finish it off, guys, and this is perfect timing, is just stay strong, stay hungry, and stay humble.